Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. I'm Rodney Shoplin with R&S Shopper Farms in Lubbock, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, fall harvest continues to move across Texas. We'll take a look at the latest Texas harvest progress numbers coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. It's been a season of ups and downs for farmers in the Texas High Plains. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. The truth about beef cattle greenhouse gas emissions and what consumers need to know about how ranchers raise their animals. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. Coastal band farmers are wrapping up harvest of the final crop remaining in fields this season. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Farmers continue to make good progress harvesting summer crops across Texas. The latest crop progress and condition report shows that 73% of the corn crop is now harvested, 80% of the sorghum now out of the field. Rice harvest is 92% complete and cotton harvest now 24% done. However, in Wilbarger County, Freddie Street of Vernon says there wasn't much of anything to harvest in his county this year. We've had a few little showers around, but these tenths and two-tenths and all that we get, that doesn't do anything. The whole summer crop burned up here. I don't think there'll be an acre of dryland cotton that'll be harvested in this county. It all is, is fried. We had a decent wheat crop, and the, the spring rains were okay. They weren't anything big, but it just kept us going. And in June, when those little half-inch rains stopped, and it got to be 100, 110 degrees, everything cooked. and we, there, there wasn't any summer crops made here. Farmers in many areas of Texas are sowing wheat right now, but Street says in his area, it's just too dry. Well, for me, it's a little early yet. I'm We're a month early yet, but there's no moisture here yet. We don't have the moisture to sow on now. And then if we get through September and don't get it, uh, after the first half of October, it generally turns dry here. So we're not looking too prosperous here right now. Statewide, wheat farmers are just about a third done planting. The official number now stands at 30% in the ground. Friday's cattle on feed report confirmed what we already know. Feedlot inventories are going down as the cattle herd shrinks. It didn't really give us any indication about the possibility of herd rebuilding. 
But USDA Livestock Analyst Mike McConnell says we'll get that information in next month's cattle on feed report. Next month's report uh, will also include a breakout of cattle on feed, not just overall, but also by sex. So we'll we'll have a look at the steers and heifers that are on feed. And that might give us a little bit more insight uh, into whether or not heifers are going into the feedlot to be finished out for uh, beef production in the next few months or whether or not they might be retained for the next breeding cycle we have coming up. But for better or worse, we're going to have to wait until next month to, to get that additional insight. That report will be out in about three weeks. Texas rice producers will be getting an additional payment through the Farm Service Agency's Rice Production Program, which provides up to $250 million in assistance to rice farmers based on 2022 rice acres. Kelly Adkins, State Executive Director for the Farm Service Agency in Texas, says the payment is needed because of record high increases in input costs, which had a disproportionate economic impact on Texas rice producers. It's been a season of ups and downs on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. Like a lot of Texas High Plains cotton farmers, Martin Sterner of Lockney is watching the growing season come to an end with results that are not quite as good as once seemed possible. I caught up with Sterner following a Plains cotton growers meeting in Lubbock recently, and he shared this account of a season that began with his farm getting a lot of rain. Probably 10 inches of rain fell in the month of May and had a good start a little later planting than normal, but was real excited about the crop, was able to get it all in and all emerged and looked real well through the early summer. And then, of course, July and August hit. We had extreme heat and virtually no rain at all. So uh, the dry land really suffered through the continued day-after-day heat that we received. It probably would have held on better moisture-wise if we would have had the extreme heat. But uh, the irrigated that we have a little bit is good. Probably won't be any exceptional yields out there on the irrigated, but overall, pretty good irrigated crop that we've got a lot of expense in. The expense of pumping water was tremendous. And now, with the season wrapping up, looking at the economic side of things, those irrigation costs Martin Sterner mentioned are reflective of high input costs overall that will make it challenging to get a profit out of this year's crop. It's also an example of why Sterner, who is the current president of Plains Cotton Growers, was part of the organization's recent visit to Washington, D.C. to push for stronger supports for cotton farmers. We made some visits up there, working with the uh, writing of the new farm bill, uh, talking about time. Title one increases in that, so we're hoping that the new farm bill will be a good safety net. The new one that we write will be a safety net for us. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The beef industry gets targeted for greenhouse gas emissions, but Tom Nicoletti talks with a Texas beef producer who says the cattle industry has been reducing greenhouse gas emissions for decades. My guest again today is the general manager of Hartley Feeders, located in the Texas Panhandle, Ryan Morehouse. Ryan, let's talk about the truth regarding beef's greenhouse gas emissions. Explain that and, and what's the reality there. The fact that people don't know about a lot is between 1961 and 2019, the U.S. beef industry has actually reduced our emissions per pound of beef by more than 40% while producing more than 60% more beef per animal. We're doing actually uh, less greenhouse gas emissions and producing more product for people to consume. Now, what about methane, uh, the greenhouse gas that's emitted specifically from cattle during their digestive process? What do you know about that uh, process? 
Well, according to the EPA, some of the stats they've put out recently, greenhouse gas from beef cattle only actually represents 2% of the emissions in the U.S. And all of agriculture, including beef production, accounts for approximately 10% of total emissions. So well, we get a black eye in a lot of ways, but in truth, the, the amount that we actually produce is, is a small percent compared to other industries. Why do you think that farmers and ranchers are always under the microscope by those who are so concerned about uh, the environment and, and the change in the climate? Part of it is consumers don't always understand our practices and how, how we do things and, and the things we're doing to, to reduce emissions versus some of the maybe media they get that says we're, we're a big part of the, the problem. And I think the more we tell our story and the more we show folks how we how we do business and the efforts we're going to decrease our greenhouse gas emissions and decrease our use of natural resources in total, I think the, the better off we'll be. That is Ryan Morehouse, General Manager of Hartley Feeders. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Coastal Bend farmers are wrapping up harvest of the final crop in the field. Harvey Buring has an update from Corpus Christi. Coastal Bend farmers, like most dryland production regions across the state of Texas, have had to make some adjustments this season due to that continuing drought that plagued all of us. One of those adjustments down here in the Coastal Bend was that some operators opted to grow some oilseed sunflowers this year in lieu of cotton production. Now, those oilseed varieties are generally used for bird feed and, of course, cooking oil. That crop this year turned out pretty well for our producers that took that management decision and put those seeds in the ground later than they normally would plant their cotton. But they're coming off now, and yield reports indicate that they're making average to above average production this year. Of course, cotton didn't have a favorable price outlook at planting time, and those areas that have been used for Sunflower production out in the western portion of the coastal bend are lighter soils that were very, very dry at planting time for cotton. And of course, cotton here in the coastal bend is down this year, although yields reported on some of the better fields on some of the stronger ground were in the bale and a half or bale and three quarter area. But when yields fell below a bale to the acre, producers had difficulty trying to make the numbers work and take those on to harvest. Some of that late replanted cotton was recently plowed out this year, unharvested, and that will further reduce our coastal bend cotton yields this year. Although rains have come recently, particularly with the Tropical Storm Herald on the 22nd of August that helped a lot of producers west of Corpus Christi have some green grass and some good grazing for their cattle, we're maybe a little better off than some areas of the country. And some of our livestock producers, myself included, are shipping calves to the marketplace at this time, taking advantage of some of that production of green grass that went into making some yields of good milk from those mama cows and hopefully putting a few more pounds on our late spring calves at the sale barn. We hope that things will continue to green up, but yields of rainfall have been on the short side as well this September. September, and we hope that things will start turning around for all of us in Texas with better rainfall conditions this fall. Reporting for Texas Ag Today from the Coastal Bend area, this has been Harvey Buring. A red tide has been confirmed in multiple regions of the Texas coast. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And upper airway issues are common causes of poor performance in horses. 
Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. This is State Representative Dwayne Burns, and I'm here with my friend, Super Bowl champ, and Dallas Cowboy legend, Jay Novacek. You know, I've been a real cowboy my whole life, so I'm asking everyone to go out and vote for Proposition 1, the Right to Farm Amendment that this guy, Dwayne Burns, actually wrote. Whether you're a cowboy or not, this is important to all Texans. We all need access to safe and affordable food in the future. Proposition 1 protects our family farms and ranches so they can grow our food right here in Texas. On November 7th, please head to the polls and vote for Proposition 1, the Food for Texas Amendment. Yeah, come on, Texas. Let's do it Jay's way. Vote for Prop 1 and then spread the word with your friends and family. Political ad paid for by Right to Farm Texas PAC. Learn more about Proposition 1 at righttofarmtexas.com. That's right, the number 2, farmtexas.com. Political ad authorized by Right to Farm Texas PAC. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Upper airway issues are a common cause of poor performance in horses. But Dr. Bob Judd says they're difficult to diagnose because many of them only occur when the horse is running. To diagnose upper airway problems in horses, veterinarians use what is called dynamic endoscopy. Dr. David Priest indicated in the horse publication that a horse inhales 3.5 liters per second of air at rest and 70 liters per second at maximum exertion. This is a lot of airflow, and when the horse is running, and consequently any obstruction to airflow in the upper airway, even if it is small, will have a major effect on performance. And some of these horses can have their upper airway checked at rest with an endoscope, and it can be completely normal. For this reason, dynamic endoscopy is required, and this involves scoping the upper airway while the horse is running. In the late 80s, veterinarians began studying horses with endoscopes while the horse was running on a high-speed treadmill. They used treadmills designed for cardiovascular research and flexible endoscopes used in humans. During these high-speed treadmill exams, veterinarians were able to observe cases of upper airway collapse that only occurred with exercise. In the mid-2000s, smaller video endoscopes were developed so that the horse could be ridden and the airway observed, which removed the limitation of the treadmill. The endoscopes available now allow the horse's airway to be examined in any exercise environment, including racing, jumping, or dressage. The equipment is easily placed on the horse, and the real-time video can be sent wirelessly to the veterinarian's smartphone. Conditions like recurrent laryngeal hemiplegia, intermittent dorsal displacement of the soft palate, an epiglottic entrapment that only occurs when the horse is exercising can be diagnosed. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A red tide has been confirmed in multiple regions of the Texas coast. Jessica Domel has more in today's Wildlife Report. For the first time since 2018, a red tide event has been detected along the Texas coast, leading to dead fish washing up on beaches. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is working with other agencies to monitor the event. 
The department says the red tide on the upper coast was confirmed by a monitoring system near Freeport on Sunday, September 3rd. Low to moderate concentrations of red tide have been detected near Freeport and the Texas City Dyke. The bloom in that area is believed to have caused fish kills at San Luis Pass, Surfside Beach, and the Quintana Freeport Channel. Low concentrations of red tide have been found in water samples from Good Hope Circle Beach and the Gulf Beach in Cameron County. Red tide is caused by a microalgae, a naturally occurring organism that produces a toxin that affects the central nervous system of fish. It causes paralysis in the fish and the inability to breathe, causing them to die and wash up on shores. According to the department, when red tide algae reproduce in dense concentrations, or what we call blooms, they can be seen as discolored patches that often look reddish in the water. Humans who are near the water during a red tide event may experience eye, nose, and throat irritation, coughing, wheezing, and shortness of breath. The department warns that people with an existing respiratory illness like asthma may experience those symptoms more severely. Again, those red tide events have been confirmed along the upper Texas coast and the lower Laguna Madre. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is updating its red tide webpage throughout the event. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market continues to drop while wheat hits two-year lows. We'll take a look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. The 2023 Texas Cattle Feeders Association Annual Convention will be here before we know it. TCFA invites you to this year's convention, October 8th through the 10th, at the Gaylord Texan in Grapevine, Texas. Find more information by visiting tcfa.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Weakness continued in the cattle futures market on Wednesday. We saw losses again in both live and feeder cattle. Live cattle closed lower on all except the nearby October contract. It was up 10 cents, 184.90. December, live cattle dropped 30 at 188.17. The February down 65, 192.40. Losses continued in the feeder cattle market. September feeders dropped a dollar seven to fifty one fifty two. October feeder cattle down a dollar sixty two to fifty two twenty five. And the November contract dropped two oh seven to close at two fifty four eighty. Cash fed cattle market already underway this week. We saw some trade here in the Southern Plains at one eighty three. That is steady with last week. In the Northern Plains, dress sales at two ninety to two ninety one. That's one to two bucks lower than last week. Boxed beef prices mixed Wednesday. Choice up eighty eight cents at three hundred dollars forty two cents. Select down fifty six at two seventy eight fifty four. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. Riley Rhodes, my guest. Riley sells in Three Rivers on Mondays. Riley, how did this week's sale go? Ended up with good volume, though, 2,168 head. <clears throat> did have a few pairs, uh, but still not getting many of those sold as pairs, splitting them out. Uh, and they're kind of splitting out from 950 up to 1550. The red cows uh, had quite a few of those as well. 
uh, kind of bringing that 850 up to 1300. The Packer cows, uh, they took quite a bit of money off of last week on the rail. Uh, so Packer cows, they're probably six to eight cents cheaper than what they were last week, and bulls probably two to four cheaper. Uh, high yielding Packer cows, 102 to 110. Breakers, 96 to dollar four. Canners, 58 to 82. High yielding Packer bulls, 118 to 124. Low to medium yielding bulls, 102 to 118. Uh, like I said, the lightweight scales <clears throat> a little cheaper. I kind of quoted them six to eight cheaper than what they were last week and the beer cattle steady to maybe two or three cheaper the two to three weight choice steers 246 to 288 heifer mates 232 to 274 three to four weight choice steers 242 to 284 heifer mates 216 to 262 four to five weight choice steers 218 to 272 heifer mates 208 to 248 five to six weight choice steers 208 to 260 heifer mates 204 to 238 Six to seven weight choice steers, 220 to 242. Their heifer mates, 206 to 228. And the seven to eight weight cattle year choice steers, 206 to 234. The heifer mates, 190 to 216. So, got along good, you know, just uh, like I said, uh, you know, it's a definitely a little cheaper tone. A lot of cattle around this week and weather and, and getting that time of the year where they kind of try to cheapen things up a little bit. But uh, overall, still a really good market. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Riley. 361-813-6650 is my cell. 361-786-2553 is the office com as well. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble. You've been listening to the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network and Walking the Pins. My guest, Riley Rhodes, he sails in Three Rivers on Monday. You're listening to us today on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now where we saw lean hogs close higher on Wednesday. The October contract up 50 cents, 82.12. December hogs up 42 at 72.77. Class 3 milk steady to lower. September milk unchanged at 18.38.00 while October milk was down eight cents, sixteen ninety a hundred weight. Cotton market continues to hold prices in the upper eighties, eyeballing the nineties. Dwindling supplies and the possibility of another reduction in the U.S. crop in the upcoming October Wasty report are helping to put some support underneath this market. December cotton up another twelve points, eighty-eight thirty, while March cotton was up twenty-four, eighty-eight eighty. And May was up 18 points at 89.03. The corn market also continues its stair step upward. December corn up another three and a half, 483 and a quarter. March corn up three and three quarters, 498 and a quarter, while the May contract was up four at 506 and three quarters. Wheat market, a whole different story. We saw Kansas City wheat close below seven bucks for the first time in two years. Two-year lows coming from the competition on the world wheat market. There is just a lot of cheap wheat out there on the market available, and that continues to pressure our prices. December Kansas City wheat dropped 16 cents, 6.94 and a half. December Chicago wheat down nine and a half at 5.79 and a half. In the energy markets, October natural gas was up 11 cents, 2.77. November West Texas crude jumping 3.40 to close at 93.79 a barrel. The financial markets mixed Wednesday afternoon. The Dow was down 115 points, 33,487. The Nasdaq up 4, 13,067, with the S&P down 8, 4,265. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. 
For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thank you.